All right, let's open up our Bibles to First Chronicles. I think someone's going to find their life verse in the first nine chapters of this book. That was a joke. We got it. <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> so the first nine chapters of this book is, is pretty much genealogies, of uh, starting from Adam and going all the way through to the, through the uh, captivity that we just read about in uh, Second Kings. The book of First Chronicles and Second Chronicles was actually one complete book uh, at one point in time that was uh, separated into two books. Uh, they don't know who the author is. Uh, some people said it could have been Ezra or maybe one of the uh, Levitical leaders that were around during captivity who was able to keep these genealogies and everything together. <clears throat> uh, the Chronicles speak uh, of the southern kingdom of Judah. It does not mention much unless the southern kingdom of Judah had some kind of dealings with the northern kingdom. Uh, the northern kingdom is not spoken of through the book of First and Second Chronicles. Um, we see that when we were reading about First and Second Kings, we see that it was a pre-exilic period. This is before the actual captivity of uh, of Judah going into into Babylon, and, and that's what's spoken of. And the second and First and Second Chronicles is post-exilic. It was written after the return of Judah and after the captivity. Uh, we also have First and Second Chronicles is more of God's view of what. Uh, was going on with the nation of Judah, more of a religious standpoint, whereas First and Second Kings was more of a political or a man's standpoint uh, on what was happening with the kingdoms at the time. So even though it seems like we'll repeat some of the same stories that were in First and Second Kings and maybe some in Samuel, uh, there is a difference. And uh, one is God's view and one was man's view. We have uh, Adam Clark wrote that the principal design of the writer appears to have been this, to point out from the public registers, which were still preserved, uh, what had been the state of the different families previously to the captivity, that at their return they might enter in a and repossess their respective inheritances. He enters particularly into the functions, uh, genealogies, families, and order of the priests and Levites, and this was particularly necessary after the return from the captivity, to end that the uh, to the end that the worship of God might be conducted in the same way as before, and that the proper uh, legitimate persons. So this was kind of to let the people of Judah know, hey, this is what where you're set up as as a family. This is your inheritance that you had, and this is the way we are to worship God again as we as we enter in. And we know in Ezra that they in Ezra, and uh, we know that they rebuild the temple and they rebuild the wall, and uh, this is kind of kind of a book written to those coming back. Hey, this is where you need to be when you get back into the nation of Judah. So this is also somewhat of our ancestry. It's kind of like Ancestry.com for them. You get to go back and see who their ancestors were. And even part of this talks about our ancestry, starting with Adam, the ancestry of man. But eventually it gets narrowed down into one family, uh, and that would be through the line of Jesus, our Savior. It goes through the heritage of him as well. So as we get into uh, this, we also see at the end of Second Chronicles, it talks about King Cyrus says, let him go up. It's the last statement in, in Second Chronicles, and it kind of ends abruptly. But basically, this is a turning point for the nation of Judah. They're saying, 
They, your fathers went into captivity because of their sins, because of their wickedness, because of their disobedience to me. That is done with now. Go back into Judah. Follow my statutes. Follow my commands. It's almost like turning over a new leaf for them at the end of this. And, and that's why it ends. Let them go back up. So as we start uh, into chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 1. So please have grace on me. I do have to read through a lot of names in here. I will be naming names. So uh, I practiced really hard this week. So <laughs> here we go. First four chap- uh, verses, it says, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So they start right off with Adam, the first created. We notice something missing, though, in the first verse. There was three sons that was named uh, from Adam, Cain, Abel, and Seth. We're missing Cain and Abel here. And why are we missing Cain and Abel? Well, through the bloodline of Seth came our Savior. Not through the murdered and not through the murderer. Cain and Abel. There was nothing that came through him. So that seems to be absent in the first portion of this genealogy. And then it goes on to talk about Noah and his sons. And that's also through our own genealogy as well. Because once the flood was over with, all of us came from one of the three. And and most of us, I I would assume, probably came from uh, Japheth that is inside here today. So we span from Adam to Noah, and then we're gonna. Then from there, we're gonna carry on. And in verse five, it says, in five through seven, it says, the sons of Japheth, and that would be those who from the European areas, maybe northern parts of, of Asia, what have you. So, that, like I said, that would be the majority of us in here. Uh, the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madiah, Javan, Tabol, Meshach, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Dephith, and Targamah. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Tarshisha, Kittim, and Rodanam. So from Javan, we, we get uh, those who are in the Greece, uh, Greece area. Uh, from Gomer, we're going to get those around the Russian plains. From Medea came the Medes and the Persians of Iran. From Tabal and Meshach came the inhabitants of the, uh, those on the Turkish plateau. And we have Kittim and uh, Rodanium. Rodanium. Uh, these were the respective islands of Cyprus and Rhodes. So we can, see how, how, we can see how his sons broke off into these different areas towards Europe and some parts of northern Asia. And then we move on to uh, verses 8. Uh, we see the sons of Ham. Sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sapta, Ramah, and Sapteca. The sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dedan. That would be our modern-day Saudi Arabia, around that area. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be mighty. He might, began to be a mighty one on the earth. Now, he was not a mighty man of valor. He was not a mighty man for God. He was mighty in his rebellion and his sin towards God. We know him for the Tower of Babel and these things. He was was not a godly man. 
But they are making a mention of him being someone who was mighty on the earth. Continuing on in verse 11, it says, uh, Mizraim begot Ludum, Anamim, uh, Lahabim, and Naphtuahim. Patharisim, Kashuhim, from whom came the Philistines and the Kaphtarim. Canaan begot uh, Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. The Jebusite, the Amorite, the Girgashite, the Hivite, the uh, Archite, and the Sinite. The Arvadite, the Zemurite, and the Hamathite. So we see all of these sons of Ham. And now the sons of Ham were basically those parts of uh, Africa, going into Africa, and even parts of the Far East, as much as like China, Korea, and Japan. So it seems to have been some kind of split uh, in his family to where they kind of split and went off into two different areas uh, of the world. In verse 17, it says, The sons of Shem were Elam, Eshur, Orphaxed, Lud, Aram, Uz, Hol, Gether, and Meshach. Orphaxed begot uh, Shelah, and Shelah begot Eber. Now, Eber is the root of that, is the root for Hebrew. So we're going to see that his. Abraham came through his bloodline as well as our Savior comes through his bloodline as well. And Eber, uh, to Eber was born two sons. The name was, uh, of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Now Peleg, they think that this happened also around the time of the Tower of Babel. And I read where his name Peleg actually means division or divided. So can you imagine naming your son divided? You know, names meant a lot in this period of time. And, and we'll see that as we go on. So we also have, we talked about Eber being the root word of, he, of the Hebrew. And Peleg being divided this time. Now we're going to start getting into the sons of Abraham pretty soon. In verse 20, it goes on, Joktan begot uh, Lemodad, Shelpha. Uh, Shelef, Hazarmathvez, Jera, uh, Hadram, Uzal, Dikla, Abal, Abimel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. Shem, Orphaxed, Shelah, Eber, Peleg, Ru, Sereg, Nora, Terah, and Abram, who is Abraham. The sons of Abraham were Isaac and Ishmael, which on Sundays we've been going uh, through this. So here we have verse 28. The sons of Abraham were Isaac and Ishmael. That's the fathers of the Arabs and the Jews. We have the the one who was chosen to be the, the, the seed. And we have the one who was just blessed by God, but not chosen to carry on those who were going to go to the promised land. Um, we see right now in our own modern day, we see the issues that we have between the families of these two in the Middle East and the Arabs who have caused some problems throughout the world and, and, and the Jews having their issues with their brother as well. Uh, this, the lesson we can get from this is that um, Abraham was impatient. He, he was wanting to help God bring forth this promised seed. So what did he do? He goes sleep with the maidservant of uh, Sarah, Hagar, right? And here comes Ishmael. If he would have just been patient and worked on God's time instead of his own time, 
maybe a lot of these conflicts we see today and some of the conflicts we see throughout the Bible maybe, maybe would not have happened. But Abraham was impatient, and uh, he got into his flesh, and this is where we stand today with these two. And then it goes on, it says, it talks about the family of Ishmael. It says, these are their genealogies. The firstborn of Ishmael was Nabajoth, and then Kedar, uh, Adabil, and Midsam, Mishma, Duma, Masah, Hadad, and Timma. Judah, Nafish, and Kedama. These were the sons of Ishmael. Now remember, Ishmael was not the promised uh, seed to go on to, for, for the Jews, but we know him to be blessed by God because he said when he was in the wilderness that he would make him a great nation as well. And that's what he ended up doing. He ended up making him a great nation, and uh, he had a lot of offspring uh, from, from that. All right, then we're going to move on to verse um, 32. We're going to talk about Keturah. Keturah was actually his uh, second wife. When Sarah died, he ended up picking up Keturah as his second wife, and he had children with her as well. It says, now the sons born of Keturah, Abraham's concubine, were Zimran, Jokshan, Midian, Medan, Ishbak, and Shua. The sons of Jokshan were Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephah, Hanak, Abeda, and Eldiah. All these were the children of Keturah. So remember, this was his second wife after Sarah. He had these children. God was even blessing them blessing at that point in time, too. Verse 34, about the family of Isaac. It says, And Abraham begot Isaac. The sons of Isaac were Esau and Israel. I like the fact that this, the author uses Israel instead of Jacob. Because what does Jacob mean? Jacob means hill catcher or deceiver. And this is a, a nation coming out of captivity, having a, a new leaf, to say, turned over for them, coming back into their land. They did not need to be known as the deceiver or hill catcher. They needed to be known that they were governed by God. That's what Israel means, governed by God or ruled by God. And they needed to understand that, hey, you're going in governed by me, that I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to sustain you, I'm going to keep you. So they didn't have the name of Jacob written in here. We had the name Israel, which was God had changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Then it says the sons of Esau were uh, Eliphaz, Reuel, Josh, Jaalam, and Karah. And the sons of Eliphaz were Timon, Omar, Zephi, Gatim, and Kenaz, and by Timnah, Amalek. The sons of Ruul were Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. So we see that even, even Esau, who traded in his birthright for some stew, was even blessed by God. And we're going to see in a minute as we get further down into this chapter uh, that there, there, was, there was quite a nation that came from him. And God was still blessing him, even though he wasn't the promised one or he wasn't the one who was going to get the blessing. He still was blessed by, uh, blessed by God. And it's sad. He sold his, his birthright for some stew, of all things. I don't know. I'm pretty sure we've sold ourselves out for, for some pretty... Uh, Things probably less than that at, at some times, but God is still 
good and he's still gracious. And it goes on, it talks about the family of Seir. Now, Seir was not one of Esau's sons, but he is mentioned here. He lived, uh, this guy lived around the area of Edom as well. It says the sons of Seir were Lotan, Shabol, Zibion, Anah, Dishon, uh, Ezer, and Dishan. And the sons of Lotan were Harai, Homam, Lotan's sister was Timnah. The sons of Shabal were Elian, Manahath, Ebal, Sephi, and Onam. The sons of Zibion were Ajah and Enah. The sons of Enah were Dishan. The sons of Dishan were Hamran, Ishban, Ithran, and Cheran. The sons of Ezer were Bilhan, Javan, and Jachan. The sons of Dishan were Uz and Aran. So we read that genealogy there. And we're going on to the next one, the kings of Edom. This is, the, this is around uh, modern-day Jordan. And this, this is the descendants of uh, Esau and the different kingdoms that they had, had here. And it says, now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom uh, before a king reigned over the children of Israel. So Edom actually had kingdoms set up before Israel ever had their first king. And sometimes we think, you know, well, why would God do that? You know, sometimes God's timing and God's wisdom, we, we can understand it at times, and there's other times we may never understand it. And we don't know why he does things in the times that he does. We don't know why he let this kingdom come before the nation of Israel. We don't know. But he had his rhyme and his reason for it, and there's, and, and there's a plan at the end. And I think we look at Ishmael, and we look at, and we look at Esau, and we look at their families. Now, these were not the promised ones blessed by God. This was not in the lineage of Jesus at all. But he still blessed these nations. He had a plan and a will for these nations, whether it was against Israel or whether it was for Israel to help them or what have you. And he got a plan for each and every one of us, too. Every one of us, everybody on this earth, every nation on this earth is still worked within his plan. So we just have to keep that in mind as, as we look through these different kings and these different nations as we go through Chronicles. And we look at this steady, steady repetition of names and it can become a blur to us as we're reading it. We can just kind of want to just you know, go through it as quick as we can and get it over with because all it is is a list of names. But we know as we, we're going through this first chapter, we see so much has happened with some of these names as we're going through the book of Genesis right now. We see the stories and we see the struggles and the heartaches that they went through. And as we go through this last portion in verses 43 all the way to 54, is just a list of kings. And this king died and that king came on. And this king died and that king came on. And it reads, it says, now there was kings who reigned in the land of Edom before kings reigned over the children of Israel. Bela, the son of Beor, the name of his city was Dinhabab. And when Bela died, Jobab, the son of Zerah, of, of Basra, reigned in his place. When Jobab died, Hushem, the, hand, uh, the land of the Temanites, reigned in his place. And when Hushem died, Hadad, the son of Bidad, who attacked Midian in the fields of Moab, reigned in his place. The name of the city was Avith. When Hadad died, Samla, the, uh, Samla of Masarka reigned in his place. And when Samla died, 
Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his place. And when Saul died, Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, reigned in his place. And when Baal Hanan died, Hadad reigned in his place. And the name of the city was Pei. His wife's name was Mehedabal, the daughter of Metred, the daughter of Mezahab. Hadad died also, and the chiefs of Edom were Chief Timna, Chief Eli, Chief Jetheth, Chief Ahalabama, uh, Chief Allah, Chief Pinan, Chief Kenaz, Chief Timon, Chief uh, Mib- Mibzar, Chief Megadel, and Chief Iram. These were the chiefs of, of Edom. So we see this running list of all these people who, who succeeded each other as kings. And we think to ourselves, why? Why? Why do we, we need to learn about this stuff? Well, F.B. Myers wrote that this is an ancient graveyard. It says the names of past generations who were born and died, who loved and suffered, who stormed and fought through the world are engraved on these uh, solid slabs, but there is no inspection to re- uh, record their worth or demerit, just names and nothing more. It's like if we went walking through a graveyard here in Lafayette and we see the names on, on the tombstones, and, and it may say a little something about them, but we don't know all the pain and all the struggle they went through, but they did. And one day when we die, our name's going to be on the tombstone, and people's going to go back, and they're going to have to understand the pain and the struggle that we went through. And this is just a running list of that. And also looking through this chapter, the name of God, G-O-D, is not mentioned through this entire chapter. But he's interwoven through that entire chapter. He's interwoven in the lives of every one of the names that we just spoke about. We see God almost everywhere in this chapter. We see God calling out to Adam, who was hiding in shame after he had sinned before God. Calling out, wanting to have mercy and grace on him, wanting to bring him a covering to cover his nakedness. We see God there. We see God's blessing, uh, blessing the birth of Seth, providing a son to replace the one who was murdered and the murderer also to provide his birth to pave way for our Savior who was to come in the future. We see God there. We see God walking with Enoch, and then he was no more. I can't wait till we're able to walk with God in heaven. It says, we see God calling to Noah, shutting the door of the ark, telling him to come in. I'm rapturing you away from this evil world. I'm going to protect you and save you and preserve you because I find you to be a righteous man. I find you to be walking in the ways that I'm asking. I'm ready for the rapture as well. So as we see God speaking uh, to the sons of Noah and making his covenant with them, that he would never flood the earth again, he would never destroy the earth in this manner again, and giving them a rainbow as a sign. God sitting there once again, and, we, and though God's name is not mentioned in this first chapter, he's all through it. We see God as the Most High dividing the inheritance to the nations. Dividing the nations up in, according to his will and his way. We see God dividing the earth at the Tower of Babel in the days of Peleg. We see God choosing a Babylonian from the idol-worshipping family named Abraham. Abraham was, was a pagan before he met God. 
He was worshiping those in Babylon. We were pagans before we met God. How many of us in here are Gentiles? I am. We all are. I don't think any of us are Jewish in here. We too were not worshiping God at some point in time. Just like he pulled Abraham out of his family and had to take him away. He's pulled many of us out of our families and had to take us away too to get right with him. So we see God there. We see God stopping the sacrificial knife held over a surrendered Isaac. Providing that sacrifice for Abraham, which was just a, a picture of the, the, the sacrifice he would provide for us thousands of years later in our Savior who died on a cross. We see God orchestrating the choice of Israel over his brother Esau, despite all fleshly efforts of man to do otherwise. The flesh is what took Esau's blessing away because he wanted that red stew more than he wanted the blessings of God. And so many people in our world today want to use their flesh and have fleshly ways about them and wants to feed their flesh instead of having the blessings of God. So we see God working that way as well. And we see God blessing Esau and his descendants as he promised to do. And in that last verses 43 through 54, the kings of Edom, that all came from Esau. And his family was blessed. So God is interwoven through this whole first chapter. Even though you don't hear his name pronounced, we don't hear his name spelled, we don't see his name spelled out. And God is in our midst and interwoven through our lives right now too. So as we go through these next eight chapters of genealogy, this, they're not just words and names on paper. This is the works and, 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 and the art of God being done here. Just a list of all the things God has done and all the good that he's done and the, and the things that he has built is all right here. Amen? All right. Father, uh, we thank you for this message tonight. And we know, Lord, that you are interwoven in our lives as well as you were interwoven in the lives of these people here in the first chapter of First Chronicles, Lord. And that this book was not not written just to pass over, Father, but it was written to learn and, and written to for us to, to glean from and, and to be fed from, Father God, because there's so much uh, wealth in these books, Lord. We just ask as we were going through First Chronicles that you would bless it, that you would you would teach us, Lord, what you would have us to learn, that you would teach us uh, each individually, Lord, what you would want to speak to us, Father God, through this book, and that uh, it would be a blessing to our, our hearts and our soul, Father God. Uh, we ask for your safe travel back home tonight, Lord. We pray for those who were not able to make it, for, for James and for, and for Nikki, Lord, that your hand of healing and, and uh, comfort would be over both of them tonight, Father God. And uh, we just give you all honor and we give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.